Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Mrs. Dahlkemper, thanks for coming back on with us. Thank you, Joel. It's a little different format, but I always love having a conversation with you. Oh, abs- absolutely. Again, we get we get a little bit more uh, on my terms when we're doing it this way than during during the uh, during the the news conferences. It is remarkable, though, when you think about it. You know, you've been at those news conferences uh, now once a week. It was daily for what? Yes. Uh, uh, eight, 10 weeks, more, 12 weeks. Yeah, about two and a half months. Yeah. yeah, about two and a half months. We had daily press conferences. I mean, in the beginning, it was seven days a week. We went to six, eventually five, but at least five days a week for two and a half months. I mean, you, you, it became a situation where it was an item to tune into on television or on the radio. And, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it was a way to keep informed and, uh, and, and also, I mean, it, everything was so new. The novel coronavirus, it was truly that, wasn't it? It was. It was. And there was so much we didn't know at that time. I mean, and, and obviously even some of the recommendations that we had early on have changed. And uh, there was there was just so much unknown. Um, and everyone was really trying to figure it out. So it was important, I think, to keep people informed uh, real time as much as we could. All righty, so let's pivot to what you uh, talked about on on Thursday, which was the state of the county address. Uh, in your opinion, what were the major themes of that address? Well, I think obviously the main thing to start off with was the pandemic. Um, we've done a, a good job considering, you know, the resources are limited. Uh, honestly, I've talked about this before. Public health on a local, a state, and a federal level has been underfunded for decades. And um, so we didn't really have the true infrastructure that was needed to deal with a pandemic of this nature, Uh, but with the limited resources we've had, um, I think we've done really well with it, but we have a lot of work ahead of us. So a big theme of that um, state of the county was the fact that we've got to get through this pandemic. You know, we've got to continue to rebuild our economy, you know, as we come out of this, how are we going to rebuild um, everything? You know, I think everything's going to be different uh, when, this pandemic's over, um, and how how do we make sure that we are uh, situated in such a way that we will be better than we were prior to the pandemic once we are out of this pandemic? So we've got to do that. We've got to reconcile. We've got to reconcile with a lot of uh, different things. You know, um, of course, this year a lot has been talked about um, Black Lives Matter and, and some of those really big issues that uh, so many in our communities have been dealing with for centuries, honestly. And so I think now is a good time to really dive into that in in so many ways, not just on the Black Lives Matter, but in so many other things. And how do we make sure that things are equitable enough that all people can benefit from hopefully the good changes that are going to come back into our community. And I think that was another, you know, a big theme of what I tried to talk about was, you know, making sure that we would do that. And then we're going to recover. And what does that recovery look like? And the fact of the matter is there's a lot of good collaboration that's gone on prior to the pandemic, during the pandemic, and and still continues. And we got to just make sure we continue that collaboration um, because that's the way we're going to get forward is if we all are collectively, whether we're talking about government, business, nonprofits, et cetera, um, 
working collectively together to make these things happen. So that was sort of my major theme, um, but a lot of different pieces within that. Sure. Uh, you know, when we look at that survey for more research, uh, your leadership came out uh, very well. Uh, people uh, be uh, believe in you and, and are appreciate your candor. Um, so leading people is something that you do well. What do you think that was the number one thing that you learned about leading people during this unprecedented year? You know, for me, the thing about leading people is always let the smartest people take the lead when they need to, <laughs> you know, sure. getting out of their way and, uh, and allowing them to do what they do best. Um, I don't ever profess to be a public health official in, in terms of my uh, knowledge and skill set. I, mean, I come out of a healthcare background, so I think I was better situated maybe than some to kind of help to lead a pandemic. But, you know, moving aside and letting Melissa Lyon and her team really take charge and, and do what they need to and let those in emergency management, you know, John Grappy, Dale Robinson and others, you know, take the lead in that area. Let the hospitals do what they do best. You know, they are critical care, acute care. That's not what public health does and that's not what county government does. So I think that's the best thing that I continue to learn is to know when you need to be out front and know when you need to step back and, and allow others to, um, to be out front. And leading. As, a, as an aside, can you imagine spending a year on obesity and, and using your gifts as a dietitian and, and nutritionist? You know, can you imagine that kind of focus on getting people's diet right and getting exercise going? I mean, we, we could change the world like that. Yeah, we could, you know, if we took this problem that we have and gave it a year, right? Yes, I mean, exactly, right? I mean, think about it. I, I mean, there's so, you know, uh, we were talking about who's getting the vaccine first, uh, the, the obese and the, and the morbidly obese, you know, the yeah. over 40 BMIs. I mean, good Lord. We, if we, could... we know that that's been a huge risk factor for yeah. uh, COVID-19. And, you know, I could go back to the blue zones and the fact that we've got that in Corey, and that's one of the things that blue zones is working on. And I have a goal to try to get it into more of the county before I'm out of this position. So that will be something that could hopefully be a legacy to help um, our community be a place that's healthier for all. There's a book out there talking about a 360-degree leader. You know, basically you lead up, down, side to side. So let's talk about leading up, and that means Harrisburg. How is Harrisburg treating Erie County these days? Uh, some would call us a sore thumb. There was a, there was a lot of drama at the beginning of June. Uh, where we stand these days? You know, I mean, I think overall we have a good relationship for Har with Harrisburg. Again, I um... – as frustrated as I've been at times with the Department of Health on the state level, um, I know how under-resourced that entity is. They have, uh, you know, there's only 10 freestanding health departments in the entire Commonwealth. And I've talked about this a lot. Six of them are attached directly to counties and four of them to munis uh, city municipalities. So um, the state has to cover all the rest as their health department. So Crawford County, Warren County, et cetera, their health department is the state. And so um, that's been a frustration uh, from our side at times. We like the independence, we like having our own health department, but sometimes the state says, hey, you, you have your own health department, you are um, independent, you're on your own. Um, an example of that is when it came to testing, the state was going around and doing some very good testing in these other counties. And we were trying to contract to get some more testing in here, actually with the same entity contracting with the state, but they um, 
it's hard for us to compete against the state. We're just one little health department compared to the whole state. So, so there were some of those frustrations, but again, it goes back to the way things have been set up for decades in Pennsylvania and it didn't serve us well and it still is not serving us well in fighting a pandemic. Yeah, it seemed like uh, like when it comes to testing, it was very little of our tests went to the actual state lab, did they? I mean, we were dealing with private labs across the country. Sometimes our tests taken in Erie had to ship to California, come back. It was it was a nightmare. Until the health department contracted with our three neighborhood neighborhood centers, I'm not sure that we had any testing going to the lab. I'd have to go back and check that. Wow. But we still every week. Um, have the testing going on at the Booker T. Washington, Martin Luther King, and Quality of Life uh, JFK. And that those tests, that is a direct partnership with the State Bureau of Labs, and we're really grateful for that. Um, and anyone is welcome to go to those sites to be tested, and the, the days and the times are on our website, eriecountypa.gov. Um, and that's probably been one of the best things that has happened out of all of this. Um, those centers now have, all, have a health uh, care individual coordinator at their centers. And um, now they're going back to the, all these people who came in for testing and they would ask them a question, do you have a primary care physician? Do you have health insurance? And so now they're circling back to those people who don't have a primary health care provider or who don't have health insurance, finding out why, getting them to the resources where maybe they can actually get that help. So, so much beyond COVID, much beyond this pandemic, we think these kind of relationships that actually started with the health with the Pennsylvania Department of Health partnering up with us to kind of deal with the health inequities we saw is hopefully gonna to lead to a much better equity in the long run. So very positive. Well, and you think about it, uh, County Executive, that you know, it wasn't, it wasn't five, seven years ago that, the, that the, the community centers were getting written off of their community block grants. Remember that whole big rigmarole? And yes. now they are, they are so strategic into the testing and soon the vaccines and, and the overall health of, of Erie County. You know, back, way back when those centers started, they actually had health care parts to those facilities, you know, dental care and, and things like that. And, and over many years, for various reasons that I'm not actually all that familiar with, that ended and it left a huge gap in those communities. Um, so getting back to sort of their core mission and, and to what we know that they really could do and could do best for these communities is, is essential. So it is, it's been interesting to, to kind of watch this progression, but I think one of the great things that those centers did is they actually came back. They had really been running very separately. And a few years ago, maybe from a lot of encouragement and assistance from the nonprofit communities, the philanthropic communities, they um, decided to collectively come together. They're still not one entity, but they, they formed a partnership that's really serving them well now. Uh, to piggyback on that, would it have been helpful to have the community schools going to be able to, to utilize that infrastructure of healthcare and mental health, especially at those community schools that, you know, that have been shut down now for all these months? Right. That definitely, if, if we were a little further down the road with those community schools, you know, Wayne School, of course, had the um, healthcare facility right in it. And, but we need much more of that. Um, and if we had more of that throughout our whole community, I think that would have really served us. And plus, as you said, um, all those facilities closed down and this pandemic has up, upended everything that you might have think would have helped, right? Sure, sure. 
Why isn't it at the lead for this vaccination uh, strategy? Well, we actually don't do vaccination clinics in general. We actually contract that work out. So flu clinics are contracted out. We don't have the staff. We don't have the um, really the uh, ability to do that. So, um, so unfortunately, we weren't ready to do that here either. We just don't have that kind of staffing. So we are contracting it out. We are able to order vaccine. We do have that ability. But again, we aren't providing the actual vaccination. We only do that really in a pinch. You may have remembered a couple of years ago when um, the school district of Erie had some issue with some kids not having vaccine and not being able to start school. And we did run a small quick clinic for those students. But that's a, that's more of a rarity than a normal um a normal happening. Who, who is normally the, the the contractor that you would use? So we used LifeWorks for a long time. Okay. And then a couple of years ago, LeCom bought LifeWorks. So it's now um, LeCom uh, Healthy Aging, I believe is. So, so that that's pretty much, you think they're going to take the lead as far as on the county side, in addition to the, the other two large uh, healthcare providers? So we do have a contract with them right now. And okay. so, for example, um, the... The first um, vaccines that we did get in, you know, last week we got a thousand vaccines, and those are um, being administered through LeCom Center for Healthy Aging. All righty. Uh, uh, what about people are asking me about um, tracking how many people in the long-term care facilities? Again, the the very top of one A is healthcare workers, and then long-term care workers and residents. How do we know when we've cleared through those two? really high priority items. Is there any data stream for any of that? So this is part of the problem is that we have, you know, vaccine. I think this is one of the problems in Pennsylvania is that we have vaccine going and being administered by a number of different entities who are all putting that data into the system. Um, so it's not as centralized. In some states, it's very centralized. And um, and that's been helpful. And but they've also had their challenges too. So I, I've, I've looked at the different systems from the different states and again, some are better than others, but um, ours is probably in the middle as to uh, where we are with this. So I don't have the data on where we're at, but we're pretty much cleared, I think now of the healthcare workers there may be a few still outlying there, but I think we're done with those. And the nursing homes are really on our second series now with, okay. with the nursing home. So we're, we're doing pretty good there. Do we do we think that at some point we'll be able to ascertain uh, that those numbers? Because again, you you have relatives. Uh, I have relatives that are aging. They're not. I mean, I feel like being a, an eighty-five-year-old still at, in your own house is kind of like the worst place you could be for this vaccine. Well, maybe for the vaccine, but you're in a good place for COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not. You know, I mean, we have to remember. We have something that works as well as a vaccine, and it's called staying away from people. Um, so if you are in a house by yourself or with just a few people, and when you go out, you wear a mask and other people are wearing a mask and you're keeping a social distance, that's actually as good as the vaccine. So um, that's why the 85-year-old living in their own home is not as high a risk as the 85-year-old living in a congregate care setting where staff members are coming in and out every day who are exposed to a multitude of people. So I think that's the important thing to remember also. Um, but yes, it, we want those 85-year-olds living at home to get their vaccine, and that's why we need to get these others done. But, you know, it was, I mean, honestly, it was a little bit of a shock when the state added 
all those other people to 1A because we also have some other very critical people who are in 1B. And those would be, for example, our teachers. Um, those would be our law enforcement. Those would be a number of our other frontline individuals who are probably on a daily basis at a greater risk than the 85 year old who lives in their own home, who sees very few people and isn't going out that much. So, um, but again, I'm not saying the 85 year old shouldn't be there. It was just a little bit of a shock and it added a whole lot of people to 1A that we were not expecting. Was that was was the Pennsylvania Department of Health responding to the CDC guideline? Is that why that it just blew up like that? I believe so. Okay. And again, I'm not being critical of it. It's just changed, um, I think, the trajectory that we thought we were going down. There's a lot of reporting uh, about underserved populations. Again, the African-American, Hispanic communities, uh, when they get COVID, it seems like it's uh, more people got sick. At least that was the experience earlier in the pandemic in the spring. Um, again, what's the strategy? What can you tell us about uh, uh, getting that vaccine to underserved populations? Well, this is something you know that we are really um, – very concerned about in Erie County as everyone should be across the country um, to make sure that it's equitable and that it isn't just those who have connections, those who have money, those who are in positions of power that can get the vaccine versus those who, who maybe don't even have an internet connection because they can't either afford it or they live in some place where they can't get it. And right now, how do you get a vaccine? I mean, you can call, but that's a very difficult thing to get through a, a phone call and waiting on that phone call to get, to get your appointment. So um, as we continue with our contract and the vaccines that we're gonna be ordering, um, we will be working diligently to make sure that the underserved populations are served with this vaccine in a way that's equitable. Yeah, it, 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 I, I would imagine that's gonna be, uh, again, a hard one to, to figure out data because right, even right now with, with testing, uh, 30, 32% or something like that of the tests are unknown by by race. I mean, it, it is it is one of those things where um, even in 2021, uh, with the granularity where if I if I start talking about kayaks, kayaks are going to show up on my Facebook feed. We still have huge gaps when it comes to data and and kind of command and control of of this virus. We really do, and it's 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 troubling. Um, with the vaccine, I was talking to some people who got vaccine last week, and um, and they said that data wasn't collected. And this is oh. not from us. And so we're probably not going to know race on some of this stuff. So that's the problem. You know, the data is only good as good as the data out is only as good as the data in. And you know that better than anybody, Joel. You know about data. <laughs> yeah. And I have a friend who's a real data nerd, you know, and she said, you know, you've got to have good data and you've got to clean it up. But sometimes it takes a while to clean up the data and, and, and to really get a true picture. And that has been so frustrating for me all along. Well, and, and again, this is my editorial comment, County Executive, but uh, again, I could have all the confidence in the world of what we're doing here in Erie County. But you just don't get that same confidence coming out of Harrisburg. And, and I'm going to share with you a, a conversation I had uh, when it came to um, you know, mitigation orders. And, and, how, and we've had the many conversations about how mitigation orders impact uh, more than just stopping the virus. They impact uh, children's mental health and the impact on, on seniors and elderly that are in long-term care. Uh, and, and what I heard from Harrisburg directly from the deputy secretary 
is that we get to weigh in, but pretty much the Department of Health you know, is the trump card. And so they, they basically make the decision for the governor of what those mitigation orders are. So whether it's a lockdown or whether it is limiting uh, visiting at a long-term care or even having uh, limitations on hospice, it doesn't seem like, uh, like people that worry about mental health, behavioral health, or other considerations, uh, the economy or something, have any impact other than what, uh, what form, former Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine wants to say. So like right now, I, I would love to get all the teachers vaccinated. Because Absolutely. I think getting our children back in school, as you said, for their mental health, obviously for their education, um, and for our economy is crucial. So many people cannot go to work or cannot work um, as much as they normally would because their children are not in school. And so many children are falling behind. You know, I was reading some statistics today that some kids are falling behind a year, you know, months, if a year, and maybe even back beyond where they were when they, before the pandemic wow. hit. These are long, long-term consequences that we as a country and a community are going to have to deal with. So that's why to me, if we could get our teachers all vaccinated, they would have a lot more, they would have a lot less fear of going back to the classroom because we know children can get COVID, but it's it's less likely that they're going to have severe reaction to it. And our teachers, many of them are sitting there with pre-existing conditions. Um, and of course may have somebody at home with pre-existing conditions and have a much more rightfully so a fear of going into that classroom. So let's let's get these teachers vaccinated and get some of that back to normal. And again, when, when people are watching this, and we've got to go to our bottom of the hour break, but when people are watching that adults eat, are able to eat peanuts without a mask on in an airplane, they would think that their kids could get on a bus uh, with a mask on. And, and you know, if you can't get exactly six feet for a kid uh, socially distanced within a classroom, you could certainly get close now, on Friday, LECOM announced creating the Greater Erie COVID-19 Resource Center, and they say they want to help the health department by training, contact tracing volunteers, being a one-stop shop for information, and they're saying they saw a gap of the organization of the information, and so uh, what, do you, what, do you, what was your reaction to that announcement? Um. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I think we are the one-stop shop for information and the health department, I mean, this is our role, public health, right? Um, and we have partners and we have partnered with LECOM to do some testing for us and or, uh, actually to do some uh, vaccine and we've asked them to contract to do some testing um, and, uh, and we hope that they take those contracts. But in the end of the day, um, you know, it is public health who's, who's ultimately responsible. Do you do you think that uh, they that the the gap that they're seeing doesn't really exist? I mean, I think they're talking more about organizing it and and also maybe better messaging when it comes to like crisis communication. Um, again, I I think we're doing as well as we can considering everything that's going on. I think we've actually done a very good job of messaging. I mean, we haven't been perfect, and um, but I don't know that you find any entity in the entire globe who's perfect right now on yeah. this. Um, as I said, there's just so many moving parts and so many things changing. So, um, you know, again, I think it really belongs in the hands of uh, the public health department. One of the things that occur occurs to me is that uh, as part of the, the mitigation uh, orders, f especially for businesses, you had to, you had to uh, 
assign a pandemic coordinator, right, if you wanted to reopen. But there were there was never any training involved there. There were, I mean, you basically they you threw they threw down a bunch of PDFs on on the state website, and you were on your own. And I I saw one administrator of a school. He had a three inch thick binder. He called it the book of COVID. You know what I mean? I mean it it, it just and 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 he has had to dive into this. It's become a second career. Uh, what could, I mean, what, I mean, we're still in the middle of this thing. Uh, sh- should we have more opportunities for training for pandemic? Uh, actually, when Go it ahead. comes to the schools, I think we've done an excellent job. Um, but what about businesses? What about, what about that guy that, uh, has, you know, has a $10 million shop and he's, you know, he's got 25 workers and they're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And that's where we've tried to, um, we've had a number of partnerships with the chamber actually to, to try to do some early on. This was early on, I guess, when, when we were going through a lot of the closures, trying to get businesses to understand what they needed to do and what their role was. And, and so, um, yeah, there's a lot of people to, to, uh, bring on and get informed. But I think that, um, like you were talking about these pandemic coordinators in the schools, we've worked hand in hand and we have, I think if you asked any of the superintendents in this County, uh, who's been their best partner throughout this, it's not been the Department of Education in Harrisburg. It's been the Erie County Department of Health. We have a whole team, and now we have a strike team that goes out and helps the schools. It'll go out and help businesses. And and we had, I think one of the best things we've done is actually what we call in our environmental team. Okay. Um, we moved quickly from just inspecting restaurants, to, which is what we've always done, right, to being that entity that goes out there and helps our schools, our businesses, our, our whatever entity that wants to uh, hear from us. And so I think that's one of the things we, it's been better than almost anyone across the state. And I don't know about the whole country, but I've looked at this from across the state. And that's why I think Erie County did so well for so long is because we had that great team that working with everybody. Were you able to leverage CARES Act funding? I mean, were you able to beef up uh, the, uh, the amount of manpower that you had doing all that work? Yeah, I mean, we have. And, you know, right now we've added over 50 new employees to the health department. So 50 new yeah yes wow. I mean, okay the whole time frame but we've added quite a few i mean i don't know the exact number but we've added well we're still hiring so maybe we aren't quite there but yeah um we are still hiring you know contact tracers epidemiologists investigators um just a myriad of uh, people we really kind of have like two health departments going on right now one our traditional health department because so many people everyone was doing COVID, but we have to get back to, to the work that we do every day so that group has sort of gone back to what they do every day and we've hired new people to do COVID. And so um, we have really kind of two different um, entities moving forward for now until we get this pandemic um, over. Terrific. Um, the, uh, let's talk about the Stevens Communications people from Cleveland that you hired. Uh, uh, you said that you were satisfied with the deliverables. Are there any more PR initiatives coming? And, and maybe you could fill us in because what we saw was, was the mass contest. But what else did they do? Oh, they did a lot of other things. They did a lot of research that's actually been helping to inform our health equities team, which um, needed to happen. We needed to have a better handle on where things were in Erie County. And so they assisted with that. They assisted with a lot of the communication that we continue to put out and will continue to put out. So they really, um, you know, they did more than just a mass contest. That was the one public thing they did that got people sort of uh, 
uh, riled up, I guess, but it worked actually, yeah. you know, we actually have seen um, mask wearing has improved in the, particularly in the populations we were most looking to improve it. And that was often as English as a second language speakers, the, uh, you know, the people that we often think of as the, uh, those who have most health disparities. And that's really where we were looking. And, and even the people who won the contest, there was a homeless person in that group. And there was a lot of uh, diversity in that group. So I think that that is important to remember is that we were really striking, trying to strike the message, get the message out to a specific targeted population. And it did work. Uh, you were you were trying to reach out to rural. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that this is a, a city of Erie deal, and oh I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about it in Cranesville or what have you. No, and, has and that we, helped? It did help, you know. Um, you know, but again, you know, these things are long term, and and we only had money until December thirtieth, and that's been part of the problem too. The money comes, and then the money's done, and you've got to get it over and done with. And we would have loved to have contracted further, but we didn't have any more money at that point to do it. So, um, you know, we, there's more funding coming. I mean, actually right now, I just heard that the governor's going to try to put another eight point something into the state budget for the municipal county health departments. And that would be money that would come to us to be able to do some more of these things that we did early on with the CARES Act. Uh, in your state of the county address last week, you mentioned the social determinants of health and again, we kind of touched on it already, but uh, let's look forward here. What, what's the game plan to right the inequities of the various members of the county population that might be, um, you know, uh, might not have the 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 roof over their head, or yeah, you know, there's there's a homeless issue still, even in the middle of winter. The 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 concept of uh, not enough food, food deserts, and things like that. I mean, how do we go forward from here and beyond the pandemic, really? Right. And so that's all work, of course, that we've been doing even before the pandemic, um, trying to change these things. Um, as I mentioned already about uh, getting a healthcare uh, worker, you know, a coordinator in the neighborhood centers is great. That's one of those things that I, I look at as being a game changer. Um, what right now we're looking at quite a bit of money, um, well over $8 million, and it could be almost double that coming in for rental assistance. Hmm. Um, to Erie County. And what I was on a meeting earlier with my staff and I said, what I want to see come out of this is that there's a couple agencies in Erie County who actually do this normally. And uh, there's quite a waiting list right now. And what I want to see is utilizing this money coming in for rental assistance. There's going to be some admin in this. And is there some way to help build up these agencies so that they can do a better job when this rental assistance is over, but there's still the normal rental assistance coming in and helping people um, faster and, and more equitably. So well, those are the- well, Hold on to that a second, because I, I, maybe a lot of people probably don't understand, and I certainly don't understand how it works now, because when I worked at the church, it, we got all kinds of calls for, I, I don't have enough money to do my, you know, my first month's rent or my first and last month's rent and all that stuff. Are you saying that there are agencies right now that that depending on your income level, you can get help that way? Yes, there is. And um, there are agencies, GCAC and St. Martin Center, who do that on a, on a yearly, daily basis all the time. But they're short-staffed and, and their systems are antiquated and they don't have the money to upgrade them. And, and so is there an opportunity with all this money coming in for us to actually improve their systems 
their ability to be able to better address problems going forward. So that's what I think we should be doing here with COVID is learning and updating and trying to upgrade so that we can actually have systems that work better for all. It it sounds very similar to what uh, uh, Superintendent Brian Polito was able to do where they had backburnered that we were going to have a one-to-one tech uh, ratio. They get the COVID money and boom, all of a sudden, all 11,000 Erie Public School students get a a tablet or get a a Chromebook. Right. So – yeah, we need this stuff now, but let's make sure we're doing we're we're doing smart things that are going to provide in the future. You know, even with the CARES Act that we got, we we um, we got a program called Submittable. We we researched the programs. This this is going to be something that we're going to be able to use. You know, we'll have to pay a membership for it going forward, but we got the initial, and we're going to be able to use it for other grant programs that the county's going to do. And it's going to be easier for those who are trying to access our grant programs. It's going to be online. It's going to be uh, more accessible. So. Those are the kind of things we sh- we have to make sure we're looking at as we have this money coming in. Let's stay with uh, with the, the the human services part of this. Uh, talking about OCY, the Office of Children and Youth, um, are are there reports of abuse and neglect going uninvestigated right now? How does it work during the pandemic? No, we are not having anything uninvestigated, but the numbers were really low for a long time, and, and we thought that was because children weren't being seen by the people they're normally seen by, their teachers, their caregivers, um, coaches, et cetera. So we're we're actually- Which are all mandatory reporters, right? I mean, again, if you're a coach- But if they're not seeing the kids, then who's going to report, right? So we didn't think that child abuse and neglect had gone away. It just wasn't being reported because nobody was had their eyes on those children. Um, And then what we were seeing and what we have seen is that the severity- has been higher. The numbers actually now are kind of back to, well, I I should say they're up a bit because there's actually increased mandatory reporting that has happened. Um, But the severity of what we have seen, both on the mental health, child abuse, and the drug abuse situation has been greater. And I don't think people realize that this is a huge part of what any county does, right? I mean, when they when you look at your budget, it's huge numbers that are human numbers, services, yeah. right? Huge numbers. It's and it's our largest population of employees, and you know, it's 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 big. And the amount of money that comes through to county government from the state and the federal level, and then we push out to all the social service agencies is is quite large. And we have great social service agencies here in Erie County, but, you know, we're talking to the tune of well over $400 million. Wow. I'm yeah. sorry, not 400 million. Wait. Well, 400 is your overall, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like 250. Yeah, so I'm saying we have our overalls. Yeah, so um, we've got, well, I'd have to go back and- I think it's like 250. That. I think you corrected I, me I on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking it's about, yeah, I'd have to go back and get that for you, Joel, but yeah. I haven't looked at that since the budget in the fall. <laughs> <laughs> All these numbers start to mesh together sometimes. What 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 happened with the budget? You did did you do a small tax increase? Yeah, because county council insisted upon it. Yeah, but unfortunately, um, county council decided to um, take money from the general fund and put a tax increase. They actually cut the budget of each department basically across the board by a percentage, and then, but in the end. What that ended up being is some of our grants are going to get cut. So um, we did the calculations when all said was said and done, and we actually the county lost a little over a hundred thousand dollars 
So we didn't come out ahead. We actually came out. Behind. Because your match dropped, they dropped the match? Okay. Yeah. So mm. again, again, why does this kind of stuff happen? I know I know you're dealing with elected officials and so on, but uh, well, isn't there team, an accountant that uh, will say, hey, if you do this, it's going to go the wrong way? My finance team tried to argue with them. And honestly, Mary Rennie, who's a county councilwoman who used to run a department of county government, tried to argue with the rest of them and said, what you're doing is going to cause us more harm than what you think. And unfortunately, for political reasons, I guess people didn't want to listen. But it's frustrating, very frustrating right. when you see that thing happen. I mean, our departments will figure out how to deal with whatever we're handed in a budget. But when you know we actually hurt the county by this and didn't help, it's it's very... and And then... They put a tax increase on, which I didn't feel should happen this year because of COVID-19 and all of the financial strains on business and individuals who own property. And I just know we have a very strong reserve fund. And I thought if any year cover the budget with a reserve fund, this is the year to do it. Are you um, are you frustrated that the state's still sitting on that $1.3 billion? I know uh, many folks like uh, restaurant owners and people that – thought they were going to get some more help through the state of CARES Act money are, you know, they haven't gotten any, you know, you gave five grand out to whoever, uh, uh, you know, could, could apply for it. Right. Um, but, and, and they're offering six grand uh, to restaurants in this latest bill. But uh, I mean, uh, you've got people that, you know, have two, $3 million uh, organizations that have lost 40, 50, 60% of their income. Yeah. We've, this is devastating and I'm so fearful of how many are never are not going to make it. And I think that we've got to have strong packages, both state and federal to um, really hold up our businesses, you know, build them up and hold them yeah. so that they can open back up. Cause otherwise our unemployment figures are going to be devastating when this is all said and done. We got our last three minutes with County Executive Kathy Dahlkemper on the zoom with us. All right, let's look forward uh, again. We could, we could rehash the past, but we got to look forward here. We got one more year. What's your number one priority in your final year of your administration? Well, number one priority is is just getting through this pandemic and coming out as strong as we can. You know, we got to rebuild and uh, reconcile while we're doing this. So recover through this. Those that's my number one. But I do have a couple other um, I say pet projects that I really want to make happen that are kind of uh, so we can get off of COVID for a minute here. Sure. Um, I really want to see the National Marine Sanctuary. Um, move from inventory to designation. And so we're working on that. And I hope that uh, that's something I can see accomplished before the end of the year. I think it's going to be a game changer for a lot of, for our region in a number of ways. It's like having a national park here and it will bring people and it'll provide great educational opportunities. Would the whole county be established like, like that? Or is uh, that for Prescott Isle? It would be the Pen Pennsylvania waters and Lake Erie. And okay. it will be protecting the... Um, resource of the shipwrecks but there's a lot more to this and i if anyone's interested um the application can be found on our website and i think you'd find it quite fascinating and look at thunder bay michigan um to get an example of what this can do it's the only other uh current national marine sanctuary in the great lakes but noah would like to have one in each lake and i believe we are the place to have it in lake erie Beautiful. So that's that sounds thing. like a show for me. Keep going. Yeah. What, are, what are other pet projects? And then, uh, blue zones. You know, we were yeah. working um, to actually expand blue zones, maybe into every school district in Erie County, right? They were going to have a meeting in March last year. And of course, wow. everything fell apart. So I still um, am very um, excited to see how blue zones can expand further into our community. I think there's great opportunity there. 
And then there's this Erie to Pittsburgh trail. I mean, mm. we, I think we all, all know that uh, cycling rail to trails to trails can bring a lot of economic benefits to communities, especially those smaller towns and those old railroad town kind of places. And um, we got to make sure that that Erie to Pittsburgh trail goes right through Erie County because right now it comes to Cory from the south and then it jets up into New York State. So I'm working hard to make sure the plan is done that brings it through Erie County. And then, of course, there's work to, to build it. But let's make sure the plan has Erie County fully in it. Uh Blue zones. You mentioned how how are things in Cory? Uh, are you seeing the the actual? Uh, are we starting to see some results just yet? How long should we wait to uh, to see um, those trends moved in the positive direction? Well, you know, one of the great things, and I forget what the total is, but it's millions of dollars that have come into Cory because of blue zones. How many? How much? I'm sorry, that muffled. Millions, and um, wow. You know, uh, we could ask Impact Cory or Dave Mitchell, the mayor. But I forget what the final number is. I heard it, you know, a couple a month or two ago. But it has a lot of money. They have gotten multiple grants, and and they say without blue zones, some of the things they really had wanted to do probably wouldn't have happened. So that is a win right there. Um, when it comes to the actual changing of some of the metrics that we look at for overall health, those of course take time, and um, some of those things we may not know. And of course, COVID nineteen, like everything else, it's affected that. But um, I don't know anybody who works in Cory on all these great projects they're working on. He doesn't say that blue zones, um, thank goodness they were there during this pandemic because the blue zone, people working for blue zone have jumped right in to help Cory um, navigate through this. That's terrific. All right. So you, you get to sit out this election cycle, at least. Uh, will you endorse a primary comp- uh, a competitor? Um, just depends on who's running. And it, it depends on, you know, yeah, it just depends. I don't know who's running yet for different seats, so we're going to wait and see. Okay, alrighty. Um, and uh, you have no no uh, announcements just yet about future plans, right? <laughs> no announcements today, Joel. I know you were hoping to have that on here. <laughs> I wanted to scoop, but we can wait. We'll be patient. I'm a very patient man. Thank you so much, County Executive Kathy Dahlkemper. Appreciate your generosity of time and your candor. Uh, always uh, appreciate uh, how uh, you you know, how you're willing to answer the questions to the best of your ability. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Joel. And thanks always for having me on. And thanks for really being a partner throughout this pandemic. Uh, I have appreciated all your, your questions and, and you've made us think and you've made us go find answers to things maybe we all needed to know and didn't have. So thank you. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>